I have twins and they turned 13. The day of their 13th birthday, Google was was sending them emails. You're free now. It's here's all the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> that is amazing. to Privacy is Awesome. As usual, our show's about data privacy. We're chatting to the experts to discuss the changes that can make a difference. And in the end, we hope you've got the context you need to claw back some much-needed control over your own personal information. In today's case, we'll be discussing the Kids Online Safety Act, or COSA, which is currently winding its way through Congress. I'm your host, Mary Stone Ross. And today we've got Joe Jerome, currently a visiting assistant professor of communication at the University of Tampa, where he teaches student communications law and tech ethics. He's worked on privacy issues across industry, advocacy, and civil society. Before he started teaching, he worked at Big Bad Meta, his words, not mine, and was a privacy advocate at Common Sense Media, which is supporting COSA, and the Centers for Democracy and Technology, which is opposed to both sides of COSA. Joe, welcome. Thank you. Joining us from Awesome is our own director of software engineering, Jonas Hinn, who knows a ton about the technical details behind how the sorts of privacy protecting concepts included in the bill might be implemented. Jonas, welcome. It's great to be here. Thanks. For those just tuning into the concept, the Kids Online Safety Act is a bill that was presented as protecting children from the harms of social media and the internet at large although some argue it's a little or a lot more than that. COSA has been floating around for a few years, and it looks like it has enough support to pass the Senate as of last week. So now I want to open it up to my guests and talk a little bit more about what's going on here. Joe, since you have uh, worked at organizations on both sides of the issue, could you give us a little bit more context about COSA and the history? Uh. Where to start? Because I think it's a long, winding road. Um, let's assume good faith, on because I, I think we're here to sort of talk about why we don't like COSA. But assuming good faith on all parties, I think that this is a really ambitious effort to get back at big tech. Technology companies target and make a lot of money off of kids. Um, that irritates parents and policymakers and lawmakers alike. These online communities are just a huge source of revenue. They're invaluable for kids, but they also create real harms. Francis Haugen, the infamous Meta slash Facebook whistleblower, made a lot of headlines about how Instagram, like Facebook's own data, suggested that Instagram was harmful to some what the mental health of one out of five teenage girls. That would suggest that Instagram is beneficial for the majority, but there is a significant percentage of kids that have had negative experiences online. I'm a professor now, so I see it every day where I feel like attention spans have shrunk. And so parents are rightfully concerned about like autoplaying videos and endless scrolls and kids that freak out when you take their phones away from them at night. And so lawmakers have been trying to come up with something. And if you're following the tech policy legislative space, the European Union's way out ahead of the United States and has been doing a lot of stuff around, you know, kids' privacy, online harms. And I see COSA as the U.S. effort to take a little bit of that stuff and try to boil the ocean to make things better for kids. So there's this, we don't like big tech, so we're going to go after them. We do think that there's a lot that's happening to kids online that we don't like, so we got to solve that. And we're going to create this giant, we were talking before the show started, like 
70 page omnibus that again is trying to do all sorts of stuff it's actually it's actually 64 pages i'm sorry i was inaccurate there i overstated (laughs) Uh, and i i think actually the one that was a good introduction and thank you for that joke but the the one piece that is missing is that children pull really well everybody wants to protect our kids and so I think that this was an easier way to get support from both sides of the aisle and get public. Absolutely. And- Protecting kids is a bipartisan issue. This is a bipartisan bill with bipartisan support. Um, I guess. And you maybe- saw it in the hearing, too, right? Like- Absolutely. And, and, and I mean, this is where I struggle because kids have been like they're certainly um, design it for us, which is a youth based coalition that's been pushing this proposal. Um, there are a lot of teenage health groups and kids health groups and LGBT groups that are involved in this bill. Um, but I, you know, I also think that oftentimes it's easy to use kids as a as as a shield to do really ambitious policy proposals. And and certainly mm-hmm. some of the stuff in this bill or in in this proposal, I think the argument goes it's it's not actually going to protect kids and it's not actually getting at root problems. Um, I believe it's the Washington Post did a really good discussion where they actually went and talked to kids about what they want to see online. And it doesn't look like this bill. Uh, This is a bill that ostensibly is designed to protect kids, but I really think it's actually designed to make parents feel better. Um, That's actually something. I think that I I would, I would agree with that. And I I think one of the problems with the bill where you've seen criticism on, on both sides from the advocates who say that, it'll cause more age verification and keep kids off of sites where they should have access to. But the way the bill is written, the website has to have actual knowledge of a child's age. Which is for they don't have to be gay. Yeah, so they, they don't have to have any... So if they don't know how old the kid is, then they don't have to make any changes under this bill and they won't be liable for any harms that might come that otherwise... Can I push yeah, back against please. that? So I actually think so. Oh, so the two things that I think we actually want to talk about in this bill is this duty of care that's presented. That's presented a lot of controversy, and I think the other thing is age verification and what do we yeah. want to do there, and what does that mean? And the standard for age verification is, I think, the real tension point here because it uses the the actual knowledge standard from COPPA, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act. Which has been around for a very long time. Very long time. It incentiv- it, that has incentivized companies to sort of keep their head in the sand. And if they don't know about it, they don't have actual knowledge. It also adds this other sort of thing of knowledge fairly implied on the basis of objective circumstances, um, which Fair Play, it's a kid's organization, sort of argues comes from or is analogous to proposals in ADPA, the American Data Privacy and Protection Act, which everybody seems to be more supportive of here. And that's designed to, I think, try and make companies be a little bit more like, I think the saying goes like, there's no reason for Facebook or Meta to say it doesn't have actual knowledge because it has so much data objectively on its users that it knows and has a, can make a good guess of the age of everyone, whether it's a kid or me. But that's to be determined. Um, and it's, it's interesting because you point out that like if it's not a change in standards, then really it's just like adding a gloss on COPPA. Um, but then again... The fact that it is asking platforms to treat minors differently suggests that like, companies are going to have to do something extra here. I think the other wrinkle is it's that it makes it even more confusing and problematic is it applies to all minors. So we're not COPPA is just a 13 and under law. And now we're talking about teenagers. And I don't know how to tell a 17 year old from an 18 year old. Well, so it's it's under the the actual definition of a minor is an individual under the age of 17. 
Oh, okay. So That's two errors on my part. Okay, I can't. I can't tell a sixteen-year-old from a seventeen-year-old. See, I, I actually read every single word. Not really, but, but I, I, got, I got the important parts. Oh man, that's that's humiliating. That's embarrassing. <laughs> but Jonas, can we talk a little bit about age verification from a, a software engineering perspective? Have you had any experience doing that? And and how is this even possible if a, a company actually wants to verify? It, it's truly acting in good faith and really does want to make sure that it is complying to the letter of this law. Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. And honestly, uh, in preparation for this podcast, I went to Facebook and signed up for an account and I wanted to see what the age verification looks like. The terms state that I'm reading this off 13 years old, you have to be 13 years old to sign up uh, on Facebook. And I think it also applies to Instagram. So I tried to do an Instagram account and it's the drop down box that lets you pick your age. And that's, that's it right now. That's, that's the state of, um, affairs and the trick to actually verify what I have seen and specifically for the purpose of selling alcohol online is to provide ID verification, and that has to do with the law. So when the law requires that you have to verify age by showing um, identification, then companies do this online. So you have to submit a picture of your ID and then they gatekeep. Which in this has specifically been exempted so that there's there's no requirement to show any proof of ID. So guess what my uh, 13-year-olds will do? Yeah. They'll put in a I different mean, birthday, right? Like they're they're pretty good at, at figuring the truth out. Is they are actually very good with technology and they get it very <laughs> quickly. And um, yeah. f- Facebook, Instagram are very easy to use. The the UX design is very powerful and it makes those those sign up flows and sign in flows are optimized down to the pixel color and to reduce the number of dropouts, people that don't continue with the sign up and when they do these data analysis when when uh, data science is done on analytics of sign in and sign up you know oftentimes they lack the metadata that tells them whether or not they're look you know who they're looking at and then this stuff is just designed to optimize for a company's sign up flow and uh, you end up with a system that you know makes it super easy and really the, the only thing i've seen that is effective is when you have to submit a picture of the ID. Um, that was also the case when you had to rent a scooter in San Francisco a few years back. They would ask you to uh, submit the driver's license and it would work. Image recognition was working in general, but I was able to also submit a non-driver's license, a state ID. They would accept that too, even though they stated you needed to have a driver's license to ride it on the street. So, you know, it's imperfect. But it's pretty good. But you have to do that. You have to implement it. Yeah. But I think also going back to Joe's point, I mean, this seems like a law that intentions probably are good. But I think it's more of a political play rather than a policy play. Because even if it passes, kids are going to figure out how to get around it. Or there, it, it's it's where we should be focused on right now is how to implement these protections for everybody, not just minors. Even though it's the minors that are easier 
politically, I think, to get this bill across the finish line. But with that said, one of the things that I thought was most interesting from the hearing last week was how not every CEO got up and said that they could support this bill, including Zuckerberg, which shocked me. Joe, do you have any thoughts on that? Why? I'm surprised you'd say that. So I think it, it is interesting that the number of the slow sort of steady dr- like drip of additional industry support here. But so far, the industry, the companies that have supported this. So Microsoft was a big name. Well, Microsoft, aside from Xbox, I guess here, is not, I think, really implicated. Um, Snap has what? A very strange ephemeral communication business model. Uh, X sort of surprised everybody by saying that they were supportive of this, but they also kid. I mean, nobody's on X anymore. Uh, and you know, you've got like a random hodgepodge of folks like Nintendo, which got certain carve outs to explain that the, all the, there's, I mean, there, again, we talked about 64 pages. There's things in here about like video games, but only certain types of video games. Um, but certainly like the bit, like Facebook hasn't come on board with this. And I think part of that is ultimately because what, the, I mean, this hey, would it would require it would require them to do a lot of things. It would also dramatically hurt their business model. Um, and for them to sort of come out here and you know endorse, I mean, put aside the the ideology and the ethics of it. Like I, I just, well, I also think to be to be totally honest, I think the reality is um, Mark Zuckerberg has a very high bar for what he considers to be actually a harmful thing, and I think he sincerely believes that his products are an unnet positive. Um, and for him to like come yeah, on board with I think this, that's right. for him to agree to this would suggest that that's not true. Um, and I, I just don't I don't think he can stomach that. So um, for once, I'm going to take the more cynical approach. Oh, wow. That's and- a, that's a shift. <laughs> um, so when I read through the bill, I, there was some things that I thought would make Facebook and other companies especially uncomfortable. And the whole section around transparency was one of them. And so I know people think like, oh, another report, it's not going to do anything. But the way the transparency section is written, it puts the onus on the companies to write those reports on, and only really, really big companies. It's averaging more than 10 million active users on a monthly basis in the United States and predominantly provides a forum for user-generated content. So that's a pretty narrow definition. So they have to write this audit report, but then they have to provide all of the data for the audit report to a third party. And so I think that's like what they don't want to give over is is the data that they're using on engagement. Do you know when that starts? So I, look, I, I, my thinking is again that this is this is really trying to boil the ocean. I think I think you're right that like certainly the big tech companies don't want to give away their and that is that is the secret sauce right there. Right. But I also think beyond this, this is pivoting a little bit. Like again, this this bill's trying to do so much. Like I, I'm curious, when does all of this start? Who, what is the, what are, who are these reports used? I, I, by? I read almost every word, but not every word. Well, no, no, because there's so many other. Like this thing requires, uh, I believe it's it's NIST to do an age verification study. All right, well that's time. Right, there's to, all kinds of. Yeah, oh, and the we're gonna FTC we're gonna create to do something. FTC has to do stuff. We're gonna create this kids online safety council that a bunch of people are gonna be a part of. Um, I'm not. I'm not actually sure these are all one-on-one terrible ideas, but they're all going on at the same time as this bill is like taking a sledgehammer to big online tech companies and imposing a whole lot of really like a whole lot of liability for things that I think are really are, are concerning not just to like the companies, but.
but I think like tech civil society. But I mean, this can go back to the, is this really going to go anywhere? And, and for me, that's one of the things I'm watching. Well, like, it, it, so let's, all right. We, I mean, I feel like we should all handicap this. It absolutely is going to go nowhere. It's an election right. year. Exactly. Uh, the, the house can't seem to do anything. And even if they could do something, I mean, what the leading champion of tech legislation, Kathy McMorris Rogers, just announced that she's retiring. So I don't really know who the standard bearer for this even is in the House at this point. So yeah, great, the Senate did something. Come back. Let's get, let's have this conversation again next year and see where we're at. So Jonas, I know this has been a policy heavy discussion, but I'm going to ask as a parent, have you? played around with these privacy controls. I know you tried to set up a Facebook account, but have you done anything else? And and what would your ideal scenario be on how to protect your kids as they start using the internet? So I spoke to different friends and colleagues and that have kids. And I was I was I was just getting curious leading up to this podcast just because my kid is young and I'm not yet in the teens. So that's when it gets, things get more complicated and told. So for me, the use cases are more simple. Like I'm not a good singer. I would like to go sing a song and you end up finding some help with that through YouTube or some other, you know, service. And that's when I get into trouble with ads targeting me and certainly not my kid. And that stuff is scary at, at times. I don't know why I'm getting targeted with this scary stuff, but talking about third world war or something like this. And I still don't know what the end of the ad is because I always get out of it. But um, the truth is um, it gets difficult and expensive. And the more you do, you're, you're building a, a, a house of cards that is very fragile. And you're putting stops in place to protect your kids' privacy. Um, I'm thinking of... On YouTube, you just pay to get rid of the ads, 12 bucks a month or 22 for a, for a whole family for five accounts. If you add it up, it starts to add up over time. The other thing is uh, people do ad blocking um, to get, get rid of some of the disturbing stuff um, using a VPN. But now you might need to buy a router that costs 150 to $300 that has VPN functionality. Now you have to get a VPN service also costs money. It costs me $5 a month for three machines, but there's more machines in the house. So I have to uh, uh, <laughs> upgrade and it just starts it's like slowly it's, it, it, it adds up. So there's this factor. So it costs you something to add protection. And then some things are just complicated to track. I just mentioned the ad targeting. There's Generally, as you go through social media, that's very, very common, the tracking and the, the advertisement ID that is on Android, for example, does it really good, makes, makes it very easy. Um, and uh, if I wanted to be more meticulous about it, I would have to create a secondary account that has its own advertisement ID. And then my interactions online will not factor into the targeting that's happening with that separate advertisement ID. That's something that I can think of that is relatively cheap if you have Android. Um, and then you can uh, replace or uh, exchange the advertisement ID from time to time to limit how much targeting is happening. But this is just one aspect of the kind of online threats that exist. And to your point, it's hard and complicated. Most 
most parents would have no idea how to do that. It, it is. Yeah. It's not popular. It's also not popular settings. Google does not emphasize those tools. They're buried. They're hard to discover. We set up the Google family plan, I think, or whatever the Google family to- tools are. It, it is so awful to use and it frustrates everybody and you can't turn them off. And then, for example, the kids would want to go onto YouTube to watch an educational video for school and it would be blocked from them, even though. So so all of this, like you can see these are all real problems. So we we need better tools from the company to actually be able to manage. Oh, Joe has a question. Thanks for raising your hand, Professor. Yeah, I was trying to flag. uh, So. I thought it was really interesting at the hearing or one of the common buzzwords or common talking points that Meta has is, you know, we have over 35 different controls for parents to help control the information or control their kids' safety and online experience. And my my thinking, and you guys are both parents, so I'm actually very curious what your perspective is. Like, is that good or bad? Do you want one good control? Do you want – if they had 100 controls, is that better than 35 uh, you know, as you're talking about, you you are you're trying to stop stop tracking, but you also cut off ads. Like, you know, I I think in this bill highlights the the problem we have. Like, we don't agree what is actually harmful to kids online. So when we're talking about online harms, are we trying to protect their privacy? And by privacy, is that no more tracking? Is that distinct from advertising? Because I, I think sometimes we just don't want kids exposed to ads, but then that might have nothing to do with privacy. And then all of what you guys have just described is nothing that gets doesn't stop you from going down like a YouTube conspiracy theory rabbit hole or getting a bunch of bodily harm content on Instagram. But I, I don't I don't know how to rank those things, and I don't think well, those- or you need you need a control that works effectively because otherwise, what ends up happening? The kid goes and creates a new account with a fake birthday and gets access to everything without any parental controls. Or the other thing that I thought was really interesting, the, I have twins and they turned 13. The day of their 13th birthday, Google was was sending them emails. You're free now. It's Here's all the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> that is amazing. No, I agree. Well, I, I mean, like the biggest control I have as a parent is, is right now we reserve the right to spot check any time that we want to. They're, and, and I know they still can get around. It's 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 not a perfect system, but it's... And, and, but that's, I feel like is, I'm in the minority of doing that. And like, truthfully, we don't even do it that often, but assuming the best intentions behind this bill, I do understand where it's coming from because there is a lot of awful things that happen online, but there's a lot of good things as well. I was talking to, to my friends and, and I heard one good story uh, about somebody who has a teenager and my young daughter doesn't ask me for a TikTok account, but the teenagers do. And the answer or solution was, well, we prefer you not to share your picture online on social media at this age. Um, but you still want to have the experience of using Instagram or something. And so we let you create an account for our dog and you're the boss. You post the pictures. You can use it in a, you know, more benign way, I, I, I suppose. And that exposes you a little less to some of the threat vectors that exist that are really uh, worrisome, way more than tar- 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 targeted ads. Um, and so you don't get harassed, for example, by people uh, uh, the way you would if you show a lot of 
your personal life. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's very, um, practical, good ideas. Um, and, you know, overall, I also, you know, heard that some people just want to give the parental guidance online and just handhold as long as they can. Um, although, you know, it gets harder and harder uh, as time passes. And on that positive note, I think it's a wrap. But I, I, I think to your point, Jonas, parents just want to be able to do something. And um, to your point, Joe, it's the whitewash bill that, that lets them feel like maybe they have something to be able to do. Yeah. To do. I mean, I've always, I've always sort of said that, like, I mean, there's uh, the Family Online Safety Institute has studies that just parents don't use parental controls, but the fact that they exist give them comfort. And so companies yeah. do it both to make parents feel better. And I also think as a sign of maturity, but I guess now we have, we might have a law that just straight up requires parental controls and that they'd be thrown in your face at all times and then thrown at the, in the kid's face at all times. Yeah. Uh, over under of this is <laughs> zero big fat goose. goose egg. No chance. No chance. <laughs> All right, you heard it here first. It's not going to happen. But that's worth that's worth saying something, right? We have sixty-two bipartisan senators. We've got this finished text, yeah. and nah. <laughs> and what's amazing too, it's starting in the Senate. When I worked on the Hill, the joke was the Senate was where everything went to die. So the fact that they're leading the charge here is really something. All right. Well, thank you for joining us. And Joe and Jonas, thank you so much, both of you. This was a fantastic conversation. Yeah, thank you. It was a lot of fun. It was. Thank you all. Thank you.